lady ballers. Welcome back. We're soccer props. And it's game time. Hi, hi. Lady ballers. What's up, guys? What's Nothing. Up, ballers? How are you guys? You know, it's weird. My hand's like super shaky. I played golf yesterday and like all my fingers won't stop shaking. Muscles you probably never really I'm use. I'm not playing anymore. <laughs> it's freaking me out. How, how are you at golf? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like you and Tom have a little battle going on. We're playing against our dads tomorrow night. So yesterday, <laughs> you don't see a chance. No, well, his dad isn't good either. Uh, <laughs> but it was funny because yesterday, like last night, me and my dad went to the driving range, and then his dad and him showed up to the driving range, but we didn't know. <laughs> oh my god, you were like planning to practice we without practicing. each other. And <laughs> yeah, but his dad's a lefty, and he's gonna play with righty clubs, so hopefully I'll be okay. We'll see. That's so great. I know what you're saying though, because I was head, I was cutting hedges, yeah. and I've never done that before. And my forearm, Burning. like I couldn't pick anything up afterwards. And I was like, wow, I really should work on those forearms. <laughs> work on that hedging. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like soccer players always their legs. It's no problem. You could do like a million squats, but as soon as you do something with your forearms, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, forget it. Forget it. We have an awesome guest on today, Shauna Gordon, who's actually waiting to be admitted into the um, podcast right now. <laughs> but um, she played an NWSL professionally, and now she has a nonprofit, and she's a trainer. Um, so she just, she's kind of like us. Even after playing, she still stayed in the game. Um, so we're really excited to talk with her today. All right, let's do it. Let's do Let her it. in. Hello? Hi. Hi. Hey. How are you? Thanks for hopping on. Yeah, of course. So where are you now? Where I'm in uh, LA. I live in downtown, so you might hear some sirens in the back. <laughs> <laughs> we we know that because, well, we know that feeling because we lived in New York City for so long and like you couldn't get any word out without hearing an ambulance or something screaming outside. <laughs> yes, I know. And things are even extra crazy in downtown. So I'm like, I don't know what's going to go on back there. So yeah. just warning you. <laughs> All good. Wait, so is this, is that your shirt? Yes. That's this sick. Is. I love it. It's a crop top. Let's go. That's it awesome. Is. Well, this is, yeah, I made two of them. I was just like messing around with stuff, so. Did you design uh, it yourself? Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> love it. Maybe come out uh, soon. I don't know. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to let us know because we love them. Yeah. Um, so you, let's just like start off just really briefly. We'd love to hear what your soccer journey was. Like, where did you play for club and end up playing at school? And then you ended up playing in the NWSL. And um, we would just love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, I grew up about an hour from Los Angeles inland in a community called Rancho Cucamonga, California. Yes, it is a That's actual a cool city. <laughs> <laughs> Rancho Cucamonga? Rancho Cucamonga. Rancho Cucamonga. <laughs> there in Fontana. So it's it's about an hour from L.A. And I played, obviously, ASO uh, growing up. I had two older sisters, so we just kind of played played soccer. And then I played for a club team when I was eight called Arsenal FC. Obviously, you guys know who Arsenal is. Um, <laughs> played with them up a year for eight years until everybody went to college and left me. And then... I played for a club team called OJSC Barcelona um, my last year, but by that time I was already committed to Long Beach State, which is where I played collegiately. Um, again, in California, for those who 
do not know. Um, from there, I advanced and I played in the NWSL here. And then I played in Australia and I played in Sweden. Wow. All over. That's crazy. <laughs> Travel a little bit. Yeah, that's amazing. What was your favorite place to play? Um, I feel like they all had something really, really cool about them. So with soccer, you know, when I was growing up, like I said, I had two older sisters, but I didn't really come from a football cultured family. So everything was new for me. First of all, I was the first to like go to college um, in my family. So playing in college was a whole new thing. And then being a professional was like a totally like, what? I can be professional. You know, I can play professionally. Um, and that moment didn't click until I was in college, actually, because I played for Arsenal FC. And I was like wearing like my shirts and stuff, you know, and somebody in the, um, in the cafeteria, this guy was like, oh, like you played for, for Arsenal, you know? And I was like, yeah. He's like, in England. And I like laughed because I was like, <laughs> yeah. no, like Rancho Cucamonga. <laughs> you know? Um, and that was for me the moment where I was like, oh, like I know there was a men's team at that time. You know, when I was playing club, I had no idea what Arsenal mm -hmm. FC was, you know? And it's crazy because I, you know, as a youth player, I was playing with these national teams and doing all this stuff. But I had no idea what any of that even meant. You know, I was like, cool, I get to see my friends that are from Texas and Florida and I get to go have fun just because I just love the sport. You know what I mean? And I was able to, you know, get opportunities based off of loving it and um, people, obviously coaches liking how I played or my style of play or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of kind of crazy that, you know, I didn't even think of like, oh, let me be a professional. I want to be a professional player until I was in college, which, you know, people are like, oh, I've dreamt of being a professional soccer player since I was four years old, five years old, you know, and that was not me. <laughs> did well, you, did you have like, was there a specific moment that you can remember in college where you were like, I need to keep playing after school? Yeah. And it was, it was that moment, you know, when that guy was like, oh, uh, you play for, you know, the professional team in England. That was when I was like, wow, like, can I play in England? Where else can I play? You know, and that was the moment, like, when it clicked for me of, like, I'm going to do it. I almost cussed on here, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> well, what was your, uh, so you said you were the first person in your family to play a sport in college. What was that rec recruiting process like? not having someone who had done it before you. Because I feel like a lot of yeah. our followers are either the eldest sibling in their family who's going to be the first one doing it, or they're an only sibling in their family. So how did you kind of like navigate how to do that? And what was your recruiting story like? Well, my recruiting story is my dad helped me a lot because, like I said, I was playing. I loved it. I just enjoyed the game, you know, and I was like, a freshman in college and I'm getting all these letters again because I also played up a year you know so maybe I've gotten looked at even earlier not that they were serious you know obviously in recruiting you know there's a certain time where they can really talk to you or really recruit you but I was playing older with girls that are getting you know recruited by UCLA like all these different schools that were coming to watch them play but also see me play um and it was a whole thing. Honestly, my dad really, really helped me with all of that. And like I said, I had no idea of college soccer, like professional soccer, so let alone college soccer. My dad 
was the one who definitely like pushed me to make sure I went to college because he didn't do that. You know what I mean? So both for me and my sisters, you know, that was definitely one thing that he wanted to make sure it happened. Um, and because financially we wouldn't be able to go other than, you know, getting a scholarship or getting those funds to help, um, to help that aspect. Um, but yeah, the college recruiting, I was just, it's funny because again, it all just makes sense now. It's like, I was getting, you know, letters and things from big colleges, you know, that I had absolutely like, I don't want to go to Pennsylvania. I don't want to go across the country, you know, because I just had no idea. I had no idea what those colleges, you know, the history of them or even history of college soccer or soccer, women's soccer in general. Um, so it's kind of crazy to think about. But, I feel like yeah. it sounds to me that you were just so passionate about soccer. And I feel like in a way it was probably better that you didn't know because you were probably playing better with less stress and anxiety about like trying to get recruited. And I feel like that probably helped you out. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I think so. I, I do think so. I haven't really thought about it in that way, but definitely like I enjoyed the game, you know, and I enjoyed the camaraderie of the team and I enjoy, and I was competitive just innately, you know? So yeah, I definitely didn't have as much stress because there were college coaches down and I was like not even thinking about college at the time, you know, and just going out there and enjoying it and having fun and obviously hopefully playing well. <laughs> Did you ever play in an NCAA like final four or championship? Um, on my final season, I didn't play in a final four or, uh, championship but with Long Beach State we made it to the elite eight my senior oh, year which amazing. is the furthest in the history we've only they've only made it I think how many times to the NCAA um so my my freshman season was the first time we ever the school has ever made it to the NCAA tournament at all. And then my senior year, we made it to the Elite Eight, which was pretty cool. Wow. That must have been so exciting, like, looking back. I, my sister played at BC, and she was in the Sweet 16. And I remember even that for the team was, like, it's like the World Cup. So I can only imagine how cool that experience was for you. Like, this this little team that just kept winning that a lot of people were, like, hoping for us, you know what I mean? And it was, it was really cool. <laughs> what do you – do you think that there were certain benefits of playing for a school that maybe wasn't this giant, well-known final four finishing school? What were some of the benefits that for you just deciding to play at that school that you experienced that you think you maybe wouldn't have experienced if you were at one of these more massive? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think about that stuff, you know, and I have in the past, but I love being able to, to make history with, uh, a school you know and from the first like I said the first year we made the NCAA tournament for the first time and then the next year not so good but <laughs> after that you know we made it again and then we just kept you know so being able to build and help build um, a program I think is pretty cool and I'm, I'm still connected with obviously the coach and the girls and I'll talk to them every once in a while and I train some of them and have trained some of them I have one girl that plays there that I've trained for eight years, you know, so uh, privately for eight years. So it, it's pretty cool to just still be connected, obviously. Yeah. Through the, through the awesome. Cause I feel like we, we have followers who will get very, very fixated on a name of a school or very fixated on D one versus D two. And they let that be a big deciding factor for them without realizing that there are benefits on both ends of that decision too. 
So yeah. yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways and avenues and options, you know, and honestly, if I would have maybe went to one of those top five, top 10 schools, maybe I wouldn't have even played because I would have had a horrible experience or for whatever reason, you know what I mean? So like, I am so grateful for, you know, my dad helping me get there and also, you know, the coaches and staff and players and everybody around that supported me through the way. Yeah. So in college, were you, you wanted to play in the NWSL and what did that look like for you with, with playing, you know, for, you played for Sky Blue, right? And some other teams. Yeah, so obviously in the U.S., I'm like, okay, I want to play in the NWSL. That's like my number one goal to to do. So throughout college um, or after my senior year, I decided I wanted to, and this was when it was the WPS. Um, As you guys know, you enter the draft, you get drafted or you don't get drafted. Back then there were 24 draft picks. Um, eight teams, 24 draft picks. I didn't get drafted. I was projected to go, I think, 30th. Um, whether I would have got drafted if there were 30 or not, who knows? But, you know, I was on the cusp of, like, maybe getting drafted, maybe not. I definitely wasn't, like, the top 10, 15, 20 of, like, for sure you're getting drafted somewhere. But I was like, I'm going to enter the draft. Didn't get drafted, but still got invited to preseason with Boston when Boston Breakers were in the WPS and they were in the WSL, not anymore. Um, so was going to go there, but then the WPS folded. Um, mm-hmm. so, and I had a year to decide of what am I going to do? Am I going to play? Am I not going to play? Where am I going to go? And obviously the only option at that point was to go overseas. And I didn't want to do that at that time. So I stayed around LA. I worked and I trained and then, um, and then decided, you know, the NWSL came around the next year. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to want to go. You know, I'm going to try to play. Um, again, there was a draft, but everybody was in that draft. It was like a very interesting year. Um, was not drafted to a team, but then again, still invited to, to Boston. So ended up going there and I got injured like the first in preseason in preseason I got injured ankle injury horrible obviously as you guys know any injuries are horrible especially in that like intense like moment for me of like you know I was the most fit I was like so ready I was doing double days three times a day while I was you know or twice a day not three times a day that's not that's not possible (laughs) and then um yeah where was I at I think Oh, I ended up going to Boston and I got injured. But when I was there, I met and became really good friends with Kaya Simon, who is on the Australian national team. And that's like, obviously, as you guys know, the NWSL. And then most girls go play in Australia because, you know, the com- or there's no conflict within the season. That's when I decided I was like, okay, I'm going to go play in Australia. Came back home, rehabbed did all that. My ankle was actually fractured. I was out there and I was like training and trying to play again. And the coach actually needed me at this, this point and was like, okay, well, if you're healthy and you can play in this game, I went from not being on a contract to, we need you and you're going to get contract if you can play kind of a deal. It's very interesting in the, in the NWSL. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I rehabbed and then and that's how I ended up going to Australia. Um, I have a question. Are the bugs what they say they are in Australia? Like, I literally need to know. You guys, they have spiders. Oh, I hear so 
also not. <laughs> they're called huntsmen. Huntsmen. They're like this, this big. They can get this big. I didn't see any this big, but they're like. <laughs> how, often, how often did you run into one? Um, honestly, pretty often. And what's crazy is I stayed, I stayed in a, I stayed with the host family and they had, I forget what spiders are deadly. And they were like, yeah, just don't go in the backyard at night because we have these killer spiders. Like if they bite you, you die. I'm like, oh my I, God. I know the world cup's going to be there, but I might, I literally might have to correspond from home. Cause are, I don't are like tarantulas, tarantulas, those kill people, right? Yes, but they aren't tarantulas. I'm going to have to look it up and let you guys know. I forget what the name of they are. All right. But, so, so you're just confirming. Every, every time someone talks about going to Australia to play or something, I just want to confirm, and I'm waiting for someone to tell me the opposite. But everyone has said the same thing. This is like yeah. the third yes they are. They have killer spiders. So. It's the biggest spiders. The big, the big ones, the huntsmen, they're not. They don't hurt you. They will not kill you. So they're very scary, but they won't. Like. <laughs> How was your experience playing in Australia compared to the NWSL? Um, it was good. For me, that was kind of like a comeback season, obviously, in Boston. It didn't work out how I would have liked. And um, I was rehabbing. I was playing. Honestly, I wasn't even sure if I was, like, super super ready by the time I went because I'd been playing and I, it was fine but there's still obviously when you have injuries you have it in the back of your head like am I good enough am mm -hmm. I you know you have like all these um negative thoughts about if you're ready if it's going to happen again you know and I think that's the biggest thing with injuries is how to overcome that and how to get your confidence back and how to do that so with Australia that was definitely something where I'm like okay I'm ready I'm fit like be confident, like, just go do it. You know what I mean? So that was, like, the first actual contract that I got through email. I was, like, so excited. It didn't even matter, like, how much money it was. I'm, like, I'm going. We're going to do this, you know? Like, so excited. Um, and Australia was – it was good. The the play there is competitive. It, here in the U.S., we train all the time, double days, things like that. And when I went to Australia, it – was it was that it was more lenient. We only trained a few times a week. Um, I think it's a little bit different now, and I think it definitely depends on which clubs you're at. You know, there's definitely a, a difference between clubs and training schedules and things like that. But it was good for me to get in there because it wasn't oh Shauna's injured now she's going back to five days a week now she's doing double days like this. It was we had double days obviously in fitness and things like that, but our schedule was like three times a week, so it was a good like stepping stone for me to you know get back into it fully. That's great. It's almost an ideal scenario coming off of completely. Thank you. <laughs> well, would you give any advice to to girls who are in high school or college or who want to play pro who do have that injury happen? Like, how how are you able to mentally, mentally, and physically get back to the point to be able to play with confidence? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think with injuries in general you know I think it's difficult especially as athletes because innately it's like I want to play every game I'm ready now even if we're not you know <laughs> I think as you grow you you know you become more aware of your body and it's all about you know professionalism at this point and understanding it just look at each day you know day by day take each day as they come and appreciate the small wins and try not to get too frustrated with yourself because 
you know, we always think about how we used to run, how quick we were, how easy it was to make that turn or whatever, you know. So I think just knowing that it's all a process and taking each day as it comes and accepting and celebrating the small wins along the way is is some advice I I love that. That's great advice. Yeah, I feel like if you don't have those small wins, like you were saying, like, this used to be so easy for me to do, then it just becomes a downward spiral. Like, I'm never going to get back to that point. But day by day, then it makes it more possible for you. Yeah, for sure. So it really is a process. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> it is a process. I'm sure we've all been there to some extent. So we're all like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so then did you go back to the end of cell from there? Or did so you go there, I got injured again. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so crazy because at Long Beach, I hold, like, a few records. And one is, like, for the most games consistently played of, like, 90 games in a row or something like wow. that. And then uh-huh. ever uh, since, it was, like, injury in Boston. And then, okay, I'm healthy again. And then I ended up getting a stress fracture um, when I was in Australia towards the end of the season. So I missed a few of the games. um, But, you know, just keep moving forward. (laughs) So, yeah, so I got injured. So I wasn't actually ready for the NWSL season. So I told myself, like, okay, I'm going to come back. I'm going to rehab. I played with – there was a team here in L.A. that, you know, in college you play with the semi-pro teams um, during the summer – Pally Blues, or I think at the time they changed the name maybe to LA Blues or something like that, um, Charlie Namo, and he was like, yeah, you need to come try out, and I was like, Charlie, <laughs> okay, I'll come try out for your team, you know, so I went and tried out, of course, and he was like, great, and that was the team, it was crazy, that team, we had like Sarah Killian, Sam Mewis, Abby Doll Camper, uh, Rachel Daly, we like, Wow. We went undefeated the whole time. It was like yeah, we're stacked. <laughs> super stacked. Like our bench were like now they're starting on their national team. Like crazy. Oh like but um so I told myself I'd rehab, get back fit, and then, you know, I was like, I wanna go play again somewhere, you know, I was ready to go. So that's when I decided I wanted to go to either Sweden or France. Um and then there were a few different options and then I decided I got an offer to go to Sweden, so I took that up instead of having to go on trial and do all that, so that's how I ended up in Sweden after. I love that you didn't give up. Like, you kept, because you loved playing, you were like, I'm going to keep going, you know? (laughs) I think a lot of lady ballers, like, they think, okay, I want to play pro, I'm going to get on a team, and that's it, but, like, it's not that easy. There's Mm -hmm. so many different ways that it can go, as you said before, like, so many routes you can take. Um, to still be successful and get what you want too at the same time. So I think that's I think that's really cool about your story. Like you you bounced around it because you were doing what's best for you in the moment given your circumstances. Yeah, just kept going. <laughs> How long have you been retired for? Um, oh my gosh, I thought about this. Yeah, I think it's been four years. Wow. And, yeah, and I mean you're kind of like us where we just we're still in the soccer world after playing it we did something that we want to still be a part of and it kind of never leaves you so you Mm -hmm. said you mentioned that you're a trainer as well did you train like throughout your career as well or was that something that you started doing after you retired yeah no I've always done private sessions for you know extra cash and I, I enjoyed it um since I was in college so for eight nine years 
maybe. So um, a, a long time I've been doing private sessions. Um, when I was with Sky Blue, I did a lot during the season. Usually I would go and I wouldn't do too many during during season, but in the off season, that's kind of what I did. Um, but with Sky Blue, there's a company out there called AP2T, um, which is a soccer specific training facility where uh, the owner um, would have me out and do all the technical work and private sessions for individuals and teams and stuff. So that's how I really, really got into it. And that's how I really, really got exposed to kind of uh, the overall kind of performance enhancement um, aspect as well. Um, I obviously focus on the technicalities of things, but definitely now include more of those aspects in my training sessions. That's awesome. I love that you, like Shannon was saying, you were able to kind of like stay in the field of sports and athletes and you're helping people. And now you have a, a nonprofit too called F Football for Her. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you're doing with that? Yeah, definitely. So Football for Her, um, you know, we educate, motivate, and develop confidence in girls on and off the pitch, helping them reach their goals regardless of their economic standing. So for me, like I told you guys, the first time it clicked for me was when I was in college. And that's like crazy late, you know. Sometimes it might be good for people, sometimes not, you know. But for me, I wanted to make that moment kind of click for girls at, at a younger age. Um, and whether they want to just go out there and have fun and be active, because as you guys know, or if you're not aware, you know, a lot of girls are dropping out of sports. There's a lower percentage um, even involved in sports, you know, after 15, then it, you know, it even goes down, you know, because there's right now, obviously a lot of other, I don't even want to say distractions, other avenues that people are taking um, on besides sport. And as you guys know, it's obviously so important for me and my development and who I am now that it would, it's crazy for me to think about my life without sport at all, you know? So with football for her, you know, we train and we mentor girls with, you know, former or current professional players because obviously representation is extremely important. And again, like I said, football for her, you know, we serve all girls. So if girls just, we introduce it to, to girls um, in that way and then also help and build confidence in girls if they, you know, want to go play in college, we give them advice, you know. Um, so with our clinics, obviously, they get trained on all aspects of the game. Um, and then we have, you know, small group mentoring sessions where they're all dedicated uh, trainer uh, who is a current professional or former professional that, you know, they listen to their journey, um, listen to how, you know, what sport brought them and what they've learned through, through soccer and then open it up to questions, um, for the girls. So that's basically what. Awesome. I know. I always think I'm like, we're so biased, but I'm like, how, how would, how would I be if I never had the influence of sports? Like even how would I be in the workplace without the influence of sports? Or how would I be in group settings without the influence of sports? And I'm so biased, but when you see the good that that can bring you want everyone to experience it whether they do it like you said for fun or recreationally or seriously there's just so many other positive aspects of sport that if they're not introduced for it, into it or if they don't have that same opportunities as everyone else you feel that's that they're missing out on something that could greatly impact their life so that's awesome that you do that yeah of course and as we know obviously accessibility is the first and foremost thing that you know we need to provide but also it's like i work with girls you know, from low-income areas to very wealthy areas in L.A. And although that, that 
that's important. These girls who do have the means to play for clubs and do other activities outside of that, um, you know, they see different therapists and all this stuff at like 13, 14 years old. And I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, also serving that community too and not just focusing on low income areas is extremely important um, to me because, and even though, you know, I played for a club team, but I had, I was sponsored. I didn't, I couldn't afford to be on that club team. So I definitely don't want to X out anybody who is, you know, who does play for for club because I think as you guys know everybody needs guidance everybody needs help you know obviously we have the internet now that helps us out a lot but you know having that that inner personal you know relationship or communication with somebody who has done it you know might spark that interest or might motivate them and you know that's all you know that I'm trying to do that's awesome I love that yeah, it sounds like you're really helping the the kids just, like, know that their dreams are possible. If they, you know, like you were saying, start a little younger, start to think about all the possibilities. Because, like you were saying, when you were growing up, you didn't know that it was possible to be a professional. And now I just feel like it's different now, and you can speak from your experience. So that's incredible. We absolutely love it. Thank you. <laughs> so what's next for you? Or what's going on now? Like, are you training people online? Yeah, so now, I mean, I still do see some, and throughout COVID, obviously, with COVID, it's changed a lot. 2020 was the year that I was going to have all these camps and clinics for football for her and all this stuff. But as you guys know, things kind of switched. So I've been, which is, you know, it kind of has been a blessing in disguise because last summer I was outside training kids and on the pitch like eight nine hours a day for many days in a row and afterwards like after that summer because that's obviously my, my peak season you know there's slower times and stuff but kids can be on the field at 8 a.m until you know a field that I go to and the lights go out at nine um my body was just hurting it was hurting so bad. All <laughs> on you too. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. So, you know, with this, I was like, even after last summer, I was like, I don't know if I can train that many days in a row. I don't know if I can see that many kids, you know. Um, so with COVID, I was like, you know, it's a good kind of mix for me because I'm still able to train kids virtually. And then I do still see some kids um, in person, you know, if they have big enough space um, in their yard and things like that. In LA, most of the parks are closed. They kind of opened it up and you can't have, um, you know, equipment and certain things like that. So there are limitations, but I have been kind of doing a little bit of, of both with that. And also, you know, just planning uh, for 2021 with football for her. Yeah. Isn't it crazy how 2020 came upon us and like, it just threw a wrench in everyone's plans and we feel the same way. We had our soccer girl props camps. We have them in five States. And when we heard they were canceled, we were so upset because like you plan all this, you know, you plan all the work and then it's taken, but we would imagine 2021 is going to be a really great year for you. And we're really excited to see where football for her goes. Um, so, and also too, we should share your website in the podcast description so people can see about your one-on-one -on -one training and stuff like that. Thank you so much for chatting with us, Shauna. Of course. Thanks for having me. Hopefully we'll see you at some events when this is 
calm oh, down a little. <laughs> Will this event ever happen again? That's what I keep thinking. I know. I'm like, it's so hard, like planning. You know, it's got to adapt and adjust, and yeah, then exactly. moving forward. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bye.